Hello again, friends. Welcome in for mile 39 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis here, and we promised it last time. The man of the hour is back. Benjamin, good to have you. Good to be back. The legend does not die yet. Uh, we're trying. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm good. Feeling feeling good. Been feeling running good. consistently. You look fit. So. Ah, thank you. My fiance would disagree. She oh. bullies me. So, should I we hope. get into that? Or no, I think that's enough. People okay. feel bad now. Um, that's so all we. That's really what needed. we want to do with this podcast. Yeah, so I, I uh, happened to be in the midst of a workout last week and saw you out on a little tempo run. Are we dusting the spikes off? What's going on here? I don't feel quick enough for spikes yet, but we are breaking out the racing flats this Friday. Okay. Going up to the Wicked Fast McAlpine Creek Park and going to be participating in Queens University's 8K they host there. Coming in unattached. Unattached. Firing on all cylinders? You know, there's some cylinders firing. We're, off, we're on a couple of cylinders, of are, at least. We're getting back. Beautiful. That is the home to the Foot Locker Regional here yes. in the South Region in Charlotte, North Carolina. Beautiful course. Oh, man, it's amazing. That's a, that's a great place to race. That'll be fun. Oh, Gotta yeah. be looking forward to that. We're going to get into the upcoming World Championships at Doha which are starting at the end of this week and all of next week. This is a great time to be a fan of televised racing action because there's a lot coming up. We also have the Berlin Marathon this weekend in Germany. But first, since it's been a while since you've been on the program, we've had some great interviews lately, but the people have not heard your sweet voice in the better part of a month. Tell us a little bit, since you are the guru of all things event current in the worlds of track and field, cross country, and road racing, hit us with your, want to do three? We'll go with three, sure. Three highlights over the past month, maybe some storylines people haven't been paying attention to, but the things that have caught your eye since you were last on the Seconds Flat program. Absolutely. First thing that comes to mind is Cohen Roberts at the Eye Opener Invitational over in Spartanburg. Cohen was our guest in an early episode, mile two, Yeah, I believe. He was coming off a state championship in track, and we saw him as a just a precocious pup coming onto the scene. He has since won another state track championship. He now appears to be among the favorites for a cross-country state championship, perhaps another track championship in the spring before he moves on to compete in college. And the eye-opener, which is one of the big cross-country meets in the state, really in the region, high school and college meet, Cohen put on a little bit of a performance over there, didn't he? Absolutely. He broke a 12-year-old meet record. Belonging to... None other than Ryan Hill from Hickory, North Carolina. For those who don't know, Ryan Hill is a member of the Bowerman Track Club. Not bad. And holds a 13.05 5K PR and has a silver medal from the World Indoor Championships in the 3,000 meter. So he's done all right for himself since eye-opener. Quite the name. Yeah, so Cohen brought down his course record. What was the number over there? So the record was 15.24 and it was lowered to 15.19. 
And that is not an easy course. No. Quick first mile, kind of deceptive. People get out really hard. Do you know the split? On he the went first out mile? 437. Yeah, he got out. Then he came back with a 503 and then a 508 and then kicked it home. That 508 may be the most impressive of the miles. Oh my gosh, that's way faster than the 503 because that is an uphill There last is mile. some significant climbing in that last mile. So he followed that up with a good race at McAlpine himself. Yes, as, taking another victory, this yep. time closing in 437, and tied his lifetime best to the decimal and ran 15.16.10. Oh, I did not know that was so precise. That is a preview for him of where he hopes to end the season, back at that Foot Locker Regional. So here's to Cohen. Great start to the season. The, the Greer team looks good. Coach Roberts has them rolling over there. Good Definitely. start to the season for, for those guys. So I uh, love that storyline. There was also a girls course record the same day, right? You were yes. there for the action. Yes, Miss Jenna Hutchins of Science Hill High School over by ETSU clocked in at 17.14. That is wicked fast. Yeah, two really quick times. That was after a rain delay the previous night on the college action got bumped back. I know some of the teams didn't even stick around because they hadn't planned to spend the night. And then they Do, combined the fields yeah, as well. So we had the, the women and the men together for the college race and split off as the women went on to the 5K course. So great day of racing there. Number two story from you, Benji. I'm going to stick with some fall action because mm. it is cross-country season. Does not feel like it out there, though. Yeah, that's true. It is like, like 90 it's degrees. 90-some <laughs> degrees. It's October almost. Come on now. Yes. So as we've talked about in previous episodes, we felt that collegiate teams tend to dodge each other. A lot of the top-ranked Let's teams. Let's compete, baby. First meet of the season, we get the number one ranked Northern Arizona University men's team. Your Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks. Yep. Versus the number two ranked Stanford Cardinal men's team. Don't leave out Iowa State. Who's ranked fifth? Yeah, they're a top five team. Yeah. Okay, so nice field. Where were they? They were at Terre Haute, which is going to host the national championship. Storied course. Yes, so... We have three of the top five teams racing an early season meet on the championship course. This is like a dream beginning. And NAU's squad was one junior, and everyone else was either a sophomore, redshirt freshman, or a freshman. So three-time defending national champions. Yes. Some new faces in the blue and gold. Against a Stanford team that's Which got senior a, driven. That's right, heavy hitter at the front of the pack, experienced throughout. Beginning of the season can be a little misleading, but still, it is great to see these two teams compete and find out where they are right now. What unfolds? NAU shows that they are the three-time reigning champions. Hmm. They defeat uh, Stanford pretty handedly. Come to flag and take that title from us. Absolutely. The final score was 31 points for NAU and 51 for Stanford. And this is with NAU sitting out their top two returners. Or, well, excuse me. They're sitting out their top returner from NCAAs last year in Blaze Farrow. Mm-hmm. And then also sitting out indoor mile champion Jordy Beamish. So their team will only be stronger adding these two in. They are healthy. They did a workout that morning on the course. 
they're just a little waiting a little longer with their training building up yeah that specific peak if, if you watch on flow track on the workout wednesday series they were just out in flagstaff and jordy beamish makes a comment at the end of that workout about it being his first workout back with the group he's just a little behind schedule with the other guys so if they're all healthy and they're not red shirting this team looks really good again absolutely I think it's too early to crown them. We had this comment in a discussion earlier in the week. You said, can this group get four, five, six consecutive national titles? Can this be uh, like an Arkansas from the 90s dynasty? Right. And to that point, they have to get the fourth before we can talk fifth and sixth. That is statistically, if you were to do the numbers, that right. is accurate. Yes. Right. So it is a little premature, premature, yes, for me to just say that. But now with that said, I think you have to install them as the heavy favorite. Yes. They have trained for national championships before. I mean, that's the target on the calendar. They don't want to just get there. They have a bullseye on number four. There are so many variables that are so difficult to control between now and Thanksgiving, essentially. But that was a pretty dominant performance. I I will step aside from it for a moment and say, I thought it was interesting what we saw racing on the East Coast last weekend. You know, Washington flew all the way east. They have a really good-looking team. Yes. Uh, You know, Coach Powell coming up from Oregon. They've brought in some transfers. They look very strong. On paper. On paper. But, boy, when you looked at the results there, Syracuse really had a meet. And that's a team that's been in the mix lately, too. So it's early. It's fun to see who steps onto the stage. And, you know, we won't really know much for a number of weeks, but it was very fun to see two top teams go head-to-head. Absolutely. And I'm going to take this train right off the tracks right now because this leads me to one thing that I strongly, I guess I would say strongly disliked since you were last on the show. I love that those teams went and competed. And that is what we as fans want to see, and that's what grows the sport. There was an absolutely amazing performance on the track in Portland in the past month. You stole my number three. Oh, I had no clue what yes, your top was. I was throwing were. a curveball at you. Perfect. So let me turn it over to you, and you tell people what happened, and then I'll say why I maybe dislike the general premise, although I have incredible respect and love what those guys did. Uh... I love how unique it was. Fair. Kind of follows the trend of pop-up stores. Anyways, to get to what the event actually was. Yeah. The Bowerman Track Club hosted a twilight race called the Portland 5000. Mm -hmm. This was on the Nike headquarters home track. Um, It's the track on their campus. And there were only three elite athletes in the field. There were a couple of second-tier guys who were non-factors. But there were two pace setters, and the goal was to go for the Olympic standard of 13-13. This was because two of the guys in this three-man field missed out on an opportunity to represent the United States this summer at the World Championships because they didn't have the standard Right, to go, so they will they not have... be going to Doha next week. Yes, even though they actually finished in a qualifying position at the U.S. trials for this, but they didn't have the standard. So but... the top three go. 
If they have the standard. If they have the standard, and then it bumps down to the next guys if they don't. These are guys who finished in the top three, but had not reached that qualifying mark, as determined by the IAAF, to go to the world championships. I'm interjecting now because this is my criticism, not of that race at all, but of the USATF. Yes, agreed. All right, so US, <laughs> U.S. track and field did not allow our top runners to chase that time standard after the U.S. championships. We all realize if you've been around racing for long enough, championship races are very strategic affairs. They are not always the place where people run fastest. People are running strategically to win. They often become kickers races, and it's about who can close. And at USA's, a number of runners in several events went out really fast and put it out there to try to hit standards. And I have nothing but respect for those people. And in some cases, it led to blow-ups, and in others, it was close calls. Regardless, anyone who finished in the top three and had not to that point hit the standard did not have an extended window of time after USA's, which were in July, until the World Championships, which are now end of September, first week in October, to meet that time standard. So several Bowerman runners who perhaps otherwise could have gone if given the opportunity to run those faster times in competition later in the season they are not going so we do not have some of our top guys there with the caveat those runners knew when this season began what those numbers would be and when they had to hit them yes but still i think this shines a negative light on u.s track and field that we did not have the forethought to give some of the top guys this opportunity because what happens there? What do these guys run in the 5,000? They run a race for the ages. Um, honestly, it was probably the greatest collective performance by a group of Americans in the same 5,000-meter race. Yeah, we, and blistering fast. Yes, so we had flawless pacemaking from Amos Bartelsmeyer, who's mm-hmm. a volunteer assistant coach at the University of Washington, and then Mo Ahmed, who is a teammate to our three guys in the race. So the three men in the race were reigning Olympic champion Matthew Centrowitz in the 1500 meter. So he was stepping up in distance. We had two-time U.S. champion in the 10,000 meter, Lopez Lamong. The most versatile distance runner of our generation. Yes. Right? There has been no American that has shown... Most versatile American yes, distance I, runner. I'm sorry. Yes. I would argue Mo Farah. Yeah, I think yes. we could argue Bekele and Mo oh, and, yeah. and a number of other guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. But as Americans go, sorry, I got ethnocentric there and forgot about the rest of the world. <laughs> yes. I don't think there's much argument from 1,500 to 10,000. Brilliant. He had just beaten Paul Chalimo at USA's. He's out there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just getting excited. And then a large unknown to track fans, Woody Kincaid, the wood. a recent graduate of Portland who had raced like twice in the last two years due to injuries. Mm-hmm. So the goal was 13-13. We had Matthew Centrowitz run 13 flat. Mm. Lopez Lamong ran 13 flat. Mm. Woody Kincaid lowers his PR by almost 20, what was it? Almost 30 seconds 
to run 1258 and become the fifth fastest American in history? The standard's 1313. Obliterate it. Obliterate it. Absolutely. Woody Kincaid runs, as you said, I was going to come to this later. I didn't know you had it here in our world preview. He runs 12.58. He runs faster on that night than Bob Kennedy ever did. Perhaps the greatest American distance runner of the previous generation, I would say. If we were kind of that bridge, like 90s, early 2000s, Bob Kennedy was our guy. This is an absolutely astonishing performance from these guys. And I want to give some credit. Again, you mentioned his name. Mohamed paced oh so gosh. deep into this race. With till one lap to go. And what's crazy to me is he ran, he finished his with one lap to go. He runs backwards 100 meters and then runs with the guys through the finish line yelling and screaming. This guy looked fresh yeah. and good. Like, like Daisy. I kind of wish he had just tried to kick. Yeah. Because we might have gotten two guys under 13 the way he looked. Yes. Yeah. Now my criticism, because I love the fact that Centro jumps up to the 5,000 and runs 13 flat. I got a huge crush on Lopez LeMong. (laughs) Woody Kincaid is this enigma who all we know about him over the past couple years is what happened at USA's when he was in the mix with Chalimo and LeMong and Chalimo's upset because the The Bowerman guys won't take the lead, and there's the back and forth going the whole way. So this whole story is fantastic, but the critique is this. One, if we're going to have the event, I wish more people who are listening right now would have, A, known about it, and B, been able to watch it. I think we had a five-day notice, Yeah, and you have to have a subscription to watch it. Yeah, let's blow this thing up, right? Let's make this a big deal. It could have been really, really cool. Yes. My deeper problem here is that it underscores the lack of racing and competing that happens throughout the season. Why did we have to set up essentially a glorified time trial in Portland? How can we create a better route for getting these men to compete in a race somewhere against other elites that a huge crowd is at and that we watch on television. It it reinforces the time-trialing mentality that I think permeates running and racing right now, and it, in many ways it doesn't become racing anymore. Right. And I think it's a disservice to the fans and, and growing the sport. We love to see racing. We love fast times. I get it. There's some beauty to knowing a man went under 13 minutes in a 5,000 meter track race. That's a barrier that we can say, wow, that is impressive. But I feel on the flip that if Woody Kincaid, Centro, Lopez, whoever else in the Bowerman group showed up more often to race, I understand there's a balance of how much you race and how much you train. But if they could occasionally show up at more competitions, which they did very little of during the season. I believe that was Woody's fourth race i think that's right so this year this this entire year (laughs) yes if we could see them a little more man it'd be so great for our sport and we're already at a disadvantage where young people are drawn to the sport with the ball or the sport with the bat because it inherently seems more fun than our sport which often gets portrayed as the work element of those other sports but 
if we want to compete globally, which I think you see the U.S. re-emerging on a global scale in distance running, and two, if we want to compete against the rise of sports like soccer and lacrosse that are gaining in popularity, we see a very clear opening as the number of people, we, we saw the, again, the recent uh, survey of high school sports participation, the number of people competing in high school football continues to drop now with safety concerns. There's an opportunity to, to gain more people. And so this is so much bigger. I'm not going to criticize Central. I thought he had a great quote afterward. He said, people ripped me for the way I won a gold medal in the Olympics because it wasn't fast. It went out as a slow race for three laps, and then I held position on the inside and held everybody off and ran this tactically perfect race and won a gold medal for the United States. And they claim it's a fluke. And yeah, they say, oh, it was a slow race. He couldn't do it in a fast race. Then he comes back and runs a 13-minute 5K, and we know he's had issues in training over recent years. This is a huge jump for him. So I am not at all criticizing the performances. They were amazing. Yes. I just wish we could all share in it a little bit more and use it for the good of the entirety of the running community. Yeah, and on one hand, you kind of feel bad for the athletes that competed in this, because when you time trial, you have this augmented reality of the fitness you're in. Because running 13 flat in that setting and going to a Diamond League meet in Europe and running 13 flat, but your last mile or last 400 is a 53 as opposed to you're running even splits the whole time yeah. is way different. Like Woody Kincaid afterwards was asked, did you know you were in 1258 shape? And he responded with, I still don't know that I'm in 1258 uh, that's shape. That's well said. Because it was just set up perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's not something that's just going to happen every meet he goes to now because he did it in this like test tube setting. Yeah, he doesn't know he's in 1258 race shape, yes. right? Because there's a very real chance at the World Championships next week, 1320 might win the 5,000 meters, right? Because of how they'll tactically execute and how they'll close. Yes. Those are three good stories. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad we could get into that Bowerman thing because I think that's really captivating, both how well they did and what it means for our sport. Let's use that as our transition, since we just mentioned the World Championships, to the World Champs at Doha starting this Friday, the 27th. That will stretch until next Sunday, October 10th. And you're going to have coverage all over the NBC family of networks. There's a lot of coverage on NBC Sports Network. And fortunately for us, because the timing of a lot of the races there, given the heat, a lot of the racing happens late in the evening. So we get a shot at some afternoon coverage of some of the races. So we could see that stuff live. NBC will cover it some on the weekends. There's a ton of stuff in the heats that's on the NBC Sports Gold if you have the subscription. But I don't know anyone who does. Good for you. Let me have your passcode if you do. Or like the $80. Yeah, I think it's $69.99 a year for that thing. So if you guys could just email Dane. Venmo. Venmo me the cash right now. Actually, Venmo me. (laughs) Let me make sure my Venmo name real quick. Could we create a seconds flat venmo account if you venmo me for this account we will host a event for every track meet that is on nbc sports network during store hours or within two to three hours of opening and close and we will live stream a podcast 
from the event. And that Venmo is at Ben Sessions 18. And that is the numbers 1-8. And Ben Sessions is all lowercase. There you go. You heard it here first, people. I would say people will be breaking into their piggy banks and mortgaging their futures so that we can get NBC Sports Gold. A headline from the World Championships is who's not there? Because a lot of people who are used to seeing a lot of great runners who are out, uh, the first being Sir Mo. Every World Championship since 2005, we've expected to see him getting a medal. That's the first one you're going to go with. Yeah. Really? I, got a, I got a long list of people. But okay. I just... To me, the first one I'd go with is Usain Bolt. Well, okay. I was referring to people who are still competing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's huge, okay. obviously, that Usain Bolt's not there. Yes. I was going to mention this later, but people who are still competing who are not I at the World you. Championships. Okay. He will be at Chicago, which we hope to preview for you in a couple weeks. Uh, a young American rising star, Drew Hunter, from the 10-man elite group. They're probably the best at the social media in track and field. You go, girl. And <laughs> That's their thing. Uh, yeah. They say that. Drew Hunter will not be there. He is injured. He had qualified because of that trickle-down in the 5,000 of guys who didn't have the standard, but he did. One of the world's elite mid-distance runners, Ginzebe Dababa, will not be there. Oh, I had not heard Yeah, that. out with an injury. Oh, man. Uh, of course, Caster Semenya is not there on her way to the, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm throwing some hyperbole here, but potentially the greatest career at 800 meters in women's racing history. And due to the entire debate on testosterone levels in some mid-distance events, Caster Semenya will not be there. My wild card who will not be there? You said Usain Bolt. That was going to be my last one, so I'm throwing yes. in a wild card. Jack Frost will not be there. It is going to be so warm in Doha oh that they are going to run the marathons at midnight. And there was some discussion of it potentially even getting canceled. Wow. So How cool is that, though? Midnight marathon. It's really neat, and so yeah, it's a multi-loop thing that'll like kind of out and back stuff that'll get lit up on this course that's pancake flat. If you pay attention to the Doha Marathon that happens each winter, it's always a really fast course there for the half and the full. Not the same course, but similar type of conditions. And moving it to midnight, they hope to offset just the sun hitting these people and being so blistering hot. Somebody's going to get tackled well, by a track thing if it's at midnight. <laughs> it's guaranteed. No, my first thought is Callum Hawkins at the Commonwealth Games oh, and yeah. the marathon when he just took it over the edge and collapsed from the heat. I have a little bit of concern about some of these athletes, but that marathon will be really interesting to see what happens. The women's field is actually pretty strong. The men's is a bit more watered down. But uh, So we know who's not going to be there. Let's go to the events that have us most excited. Absolutely. You want to chime in here? You want me to take this? Or? Either way is cool with me. Okay, tell me what you are most excited about. The most exciting event to me is going to be the women's 3K steeplechase. I had that as my number three event. Oh, cool. At the last World Championships at London, we had Emma Coburn and Courtney Frerichs of the United States finish 1-2. 
this month at the Kenyan trials mm. for those who make the team, the top three finishers held hands as the ladies crossed the line. Mm-hmm. And afterwards in an interview said that they were going to work together to make sure the Americans are not back on the podiums. Yeah, we have created this Kenya-US rivalry in the 3K steeple, which is, it's kind of fun. It's beautiful. Right? I love it. And who would have ever thought the US 3K steeplers would be in a rivalry with anyone? That's yes. how much they've emerged over the past years. Emma Coburn and Courtney Frericks with gold and silver. You know, Colleen Quigley probably in this mix as well. There's been some discussion if she'll even compete because yes. of her injury-plagued season, but she really started the year very well. So you have Beatrice Chepkowicz, who is the world record holder, and she has been among those who have publicly proclaimed gold's coming back to Kenya. There has been some banter from the other side suggesting how legitimate are her times Yes. Is this dirty? Emma is very outspoken. Yes. And this. we have always on this program tried to steer clear of this because I think there's just so much conjecture. And if we don't know test results, it's real easy to pinpoint someone and say, this doesn't seem real. It's innocent till proven guilty. Yeah. And, and so benefit of the doubt there. But it's, she came out in almost nowhere and it's been blazing fast for for a young runner the past few years i think she wins i'm gonna take her for gold i think if she remembers to go over the water barrier (laughs) and not have to run back and jump over yep she can but yeah i'm not counting on it i do think an american gets a medal though i still think there's an american medalist and it may be two of them they might both be able to get up there we'll see but it's a win for Kenya. I had that as my third biggest story. I think it's like the, I would consider it my second most exciting race. Hmm. But my second storyline was really just because of an incredible level of unknown. Ooh, and I think I know what you're That's about. the men's 5,000. Yes, I knew it. Because I don't know what in the world's going to happen there. You have the first world championship without Sir Mo since 05. The two, what I would consider most dominant men this year in this event, uh, Yomith Kajelcha and Joshua Cheptegei are not in this. Both are only in the 10,000. Yomith was great all the way down to the mile, right? Indoor with a new world record. They're out. The American presence is now no longer these Bowerman guys because they don't have the standard. Would have been really fun to see what they could have done. You do have Paul Chalimo, who's a previous medalist. Yes, two-time medalist. That, that's correct. And I would not consider him at the top of his game this year. He's been good. He's I don't know that very, he's been world-class. He's been very off and on. Yes. And it seems he's only on after his uh, business trips to Kenya. Oh, okay, so. stop it. I, I'm not claiming anything. He, he's been inconsistent. Yes. And But he did just have his daughter born yeah so that throws a little wedge into training i'm sure i I would imagine it's funny that you put out that you put that out there too because you're the one who likes paul chalimo i have been a bit more critical of paul chalimo i like his smack talk but it was pointed out to me about how he was having a very 
poor season, and then he went on a month trip. Poor to by Kenya. his standards. Right. And then he went on a month trip to Kenya and performed well at Prefontaine. Yeah, but a lot of guys. And the Bowerman guys have called him out for going to Kenya. I, and I that is true, and I'm glad you raised that point because it is a little bit of a running storyline, and I think some of that goes with some of the bickering about other issues yes. among those largely groups. that USA's five thousand. Yeah. But a lot of guys have gone to elevation for a month and come back and perform. I don't think anyone questions that when Meb Kaflesky went to Mammoth and came down to Stanford and broke the 10,000 American record that there was something devious going on. I just say that because it feels a little easy to... I mean, when your nation is literally on a watch list, I don't think I'd want anything to do with that. Like Kenya is on the IAAF's watch list okay. their athletic federation if we are going to use that as the standard which i think deservedly they are on that list deservedly so that also means we got to call into question some other people who are like julian wanders who we've mm-hmm. professed to be fans of obviously mo gets called on oh, that definitely okay uh the robertson brothers but here's the big one elliot kipchoge Right. And nobody seems to question him. And so let's just let's tread wisely and lightly more here. More groups that are suspicious than others. We know some groups certainly are. Yes. Yeah. Who have been, been caught in the past. And um, I, I'm just saying that because if we're going to lump people together by where they train, we got to be really, really careful. I got a group of guys who train on the Swamp Rabbit a lot. Oh, and, well, you know they're going nowhere. Uh, if, if they're training with me, they're going nowhere. The only dope on the swamp well, that makes you run slower. So. I don't know. A couple of those guys are pretty fit. Have you seen Cosmo lately? That guy's <laughs> looking strong. Um, anyway, let's let's bring this back to the, to the 5,000. Another storyline in here that's just the great unknown is all three of the Ingebrigtsen brothers are there. It seems like a legitimate shot for the first time since the Mo era, if you want to call it that, in over a decade, that perhaps a non-African-born runner could medal in the 5,000. There's been some African-born runners representing other countries that they moved to. It would be the first time in 20 years. Yeah, that would be a very interesting storyline that I think there's a really legitimate shot for that. Do you think we could see team tactics employed? Yes, I do. But I also, I think this uncertainty of who is the man in this race, like my pick is a guy we've not mentioned. I'm going with the Ethiopian Gebrouet, who if oh, as long yeah. as he can figure out how many laps are in this race, <laughs> I, I take him as the winner. And so I'm not quite sure. We also actually don't even know for certain who will run for Ethiopia because they picked named a five that's right they picked an extra guy for their team and we only know one of the guys for certain will be there because they have to send their winner from their trials so beyond that we don't even know who exactly will be on the track for them and they are the dominant nation here because gebrowit would have a chance in the 10k as well that's right and so the way the events are set up this year it's the first time in a number of years that the 5,000 everyone will come into fresh right so this is a monday final 
it is at the beginning of the world championships. Are there no heats? There is there are heats, but I mean there's not they're not gonna be coming back from the ten thousand. They're oh, not gonna wow. right, so they're not gonna have doubled back. They will have to come back for their other events, whether you're going down to the fifteen hundred or up to the ten thousand. That is exciting. So I that yeah, that. that adds another wrinkle. Due to the team tactic thing, I could see the Ingebrigtsen brothers working together to set this up for the youngest among them. I agree. Because he's the one with the closing power, I think, and just a great season so far. So I picked that as my number two just because I don't know what in the world's going to happen, and I'm super excited for Monday to see it. My number one is also a Monday final. Monday's going to be a great day at track and field. Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> yes, sir. The men's 400-meter Hurdles. hurdles yes all right don't say this is a distance podcast i cannot wait for the men's 400 meter hurdles because i see this as the most exciting true duel there's there's some wild cards there's there's actually you have three of the four fastest guys ever but yes. one of those athletes has not been as strong this year and i look at the duel between the european record holder Karsten Warholm of Norway, another Norwegian. He is undefeated this year. He has the second fastest time ever. And the biggest difference for him is this is a guy who he won it in 2017. Mm-hmm. So he can join a really elite group of two-time winners. We're talking Edwin Moses territory. But 2018, or excuse me, 2016, when you look at where he was in the Olympic year, what has evolved so much over time since then is his approved ability to close. He did not have the last 100 meters that the other top guys had. And now he gets the showdown with Rye Benjamin, the 2018 NCAA champion. He's now the U.S. champion. He was uh, competed for USC. There have only been four men ever under 47 seconds in the single lap around the track with hurdles. These are two of those guys. There was a six hundredths of a second difference between these two at the diamond league championships the finals in brussels won by warholm i am so fired up for this event this is like the most exciting less than 50 seconds in sports for me that i'm gonna see for a long time wow do you think we see a world record Oh, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. When I thought about this earlier, I thought you would ask me this. I am going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say no. Well, Debbie That's Downer. That's in a, a record. That's from, like, I want to say 92 Barcelona. Uh, so we're at almost 30 years. I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure that record belongs to the American Kevin Young at Barcelona in 92. And he was the first American to go under 47 because Edwin Moses, I believe, was like a 47.02 PB back in the 80s when he had that crazy string of undefeated races that like he won every 400 meter hurdle race for almost a generation. We, yes, we you went, are correct about am I, We went deep into my knowledge on foreign turtles. Edwin Moses is a Dayton, Ohio guy. That's why I know all this uh, stuff. Yeah, uh, Kevin Young has this hilarious quote uh, that's posted on Let's Run, Let's Run.com. Mm-hmm. And he said, 
he doesn't want to see the 400 hurdles world record go down. He said, I want to own the record as long as I can because it makes me relevant. <laughs> After someone breaks it, I go from world record holder to simply hurdles fan. <laughs> That's good because the truth is a lot of people probably don't even remember him right now. Yeah. What was the time? Did it have the time Ooh, there? Because I don't remember it. Um, 46 point whatever. I, I'm going to say no. I... I while I realize that heat works better for these sprint events than it does for the distance races, the only thing holding me back are the conditions of the times when they're going to have these races just being a little off their normal schedules with combined with the heat. Do you have the number now? 46.78. Yeah, it's, it's so fast. I'm taking Warholm for the win. It feels like a year of destiny. Rye Benjamin in second. No world record. We'll see. Go sport. Go USA. You've heard it here first. Uh, we're huge Ry Benjamin fans. He yes. was on that USC 4x4 relay a couple years ago with Michael Norman that was just so electric that at the time did not get a certified world mark because not all four guys were American because Ry Benjamin at the time had not yet received his citizenship. Mm -hmm. So he's now able to run for the United States. And in to go a level deeper, let's peel back the onion on Ry Benjamin, USC star, but where did he run in college before that? Ooh. He was a transfer. From, I have two guesses. Hit me. Auburn? No. UCLA? Second guess is correct. Okay. Yeah. Yes. UCLA, nailed it, good. That's really interesting to me to move across the city to the arch rival to run for USC from UCLA. Let's quickly move to Berlin for this weekend. That is NBC Sports Network coverage here in the States. It's going to start at 3 a.m., so they have a big pre-race event if you want to watch it live. The racing won't actually start then. There is replay later in the morning on the Olympic Network if you have that. So I think that's coming on at like 10 or 11 Eastern. If you're on the West Coast, we got a huge following in like the Pacific Northwest. I think we're really big in like the high desert of Eastern Oregon. Those folks might want to sleep in, watch the Olympic Channel coverage at 7, 8 a.m. Pacific time. So when will the race begin Eastern time? So 3 a.m., is the coverage on the NBC Sports Network. And then I think you have another hour before the actual so, racing begins. I, I don't really have to wake up till 5 a.m. Yeah, if you want to see how it ends. Yeah. I caught the whole thing last year because if you remember here locally, we might have talked about this on the podcast. That was when the remnants of a hurricane came through the area and we had some crazy high winds. A little damage out on my balcony woke me up some stuff rattling around i caught the whole thing last year i was up and at him the big story here is no elliot kipchoge he is preparing for the enios 159 challenge this is essentially take two on the breaking two can he run a sub two marathon that is going to be in vienna austria we don't have a specific date they are playing the weather here it will be sometime lining up with the weekend of the Chicago Marathon through the weekend after that. So we hope to get a preview for you beforehand when we get more information. The biggest thing I want to talk about when we get to that is the Pacers. They have some of the world's best runners pacing, including the new world half marathon record holder and a story from 
couple weekends ago, Jeffrey K. Moore is now at 5802. Oh, one. Oh, one. Yes. Wowzers. He can scoot. He is your new half marathon world record holder from the race at Copenhagen. He will be one of the pacers for Kipchoge. So then without the multi-time winner and the greatest there, to me, we switch over to, is this the last stand for Kenanisa Bekele? Mm. He, with a 203-03 marathon, that's his personal best. He won at Berlin in 2016. I think at that time, that was maybe the third fastest marathon ever. It's been passed multiple times since. But this is the 5K and 10K world record holder. He has struggled mightily in recent marathons. There have been some where he just stepped right off the road. And we might find out what he has left and if he is actually a medal threat for Tokyo Olympics in 2020. You want to put anything out there ahead of time on what you see for him? I think this race decides if we see him even continue his athletic career into 2020. I think one more failure might push him over the edge. I mean, I don't know him personally. This is total speculation. I assumed you guys texted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just been like a string of bad performances, and like he has said some crass stuff to the press like about quitting and things like that. And I'm going to assume he does like an average race, nothing spectacular. Mm -hmm. He runs 205, 206. I mean, he shows he's still a great runner, but... I think we've seen the best we will see of him. Uh, Let's unpack that a little bit. I'm going to walk it back on the this determines his future. I could see that. Maybe it it determines his future for Tokyo in the 2020 Olympics, and if that's a shot. But I suspect there's some pretty serious paydays for appearance fees for him in the future to stick with his career. So... I'll step back from that precipice just a bit. I would add, if he runs an average race, if he runs 205, 206, I just ask why. Does he from that, I mean, does that just turn into him stepping off the course again? If he can't run and win this race and compete at the highest level, as would be expected of him, do we see him just shut it down again? I don't know. Just throwing out questions there. Ooh, you think we could see him drop out again? There might be a better chance of him dropping out than running a 206. Wow. Gosh, I I really hope that doesn't happen. I agree, but... I hope he runs something insane and blows all our doors and socks off. And... Yeah, that, w- that would be fun to see, but just speculation. Women's race, uh, Vivian, Vivian Chariot is out. She's mm-hmm. injured. Uh, Achilles, I believe. So that takes away any hopes of a real duel I mean, she's at the top of her game Gladys Toronto looks like a heavy favorite as a result I'll insert one American thought here Sarah Hall she looks to be the top American on either side and uh, she is doubling back she's doing the two fall marathon plan we've seen her do this before come back quickly for a second race it'll be fun to see what she can do and she is a again as we've mentioned, a legitimate threat to join the U.S. Olympic team next year. She's getting on a fast course. We'll see what Sarah Hall has in her. Benji, any other thoughts? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, 
That's okay. It's been good. It's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. Sometimes I like this. We went to some some places with the Bowerman stuff and the Kenyan doping stuff. But we had a lot of pan- banter. We had, yeah, we bounced around, but that was fun. Next time we see you, we will have results from this stuff. We hope to have a preview of Chicago. Mo versus Galen again. Big storyline there. Jordan Assay is back. What do we see? That'll be fun. We'll have an 8K result from me. We'll have Benji in an 8K. And a marathon result from Travi G. I will be coming back at you from a marathon, so we'll give you a recap on that. We'll have a look at probably a less star-studded marathon than mine, which will be the 159 Challenge. We'll see if Kipchoge can break the two-hour mark. We have all that coming up. It is a big few weeks in racing. Please, as always, reach out to us if you have comments or questions. We love to hear from you. Secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. couple things to wrap up. Still got the run group going 5.30 p.m. on Wednesdays from run-in. Also, new group at Lululemon in downtown Greenville, meeting on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month here for September and October, and that's going to shift around the holidays in November and December, but that is a 6 p.m. group out of Lululemon, so you could always check that out, look it up online, and join some folks to run there. So thanks for listening. We will see you next time on the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Everybody have a wonderful week. Enjoy all the televised track and field and marathon action. Bye.